All right, welcome back to From the Frying Pan. My name is Vince Cassay, your host of this podcast. Uh, today we are interviewing an amazing gentleman with an amazing career to follow with it. Uh, his name is Jeremy Lett, and he is the corporate chef, executive chef, uh, for an amazing uh, restaurant uh, company out of Tampa. And we're going to talk a little bit about his journey, uh, the things that he has grown and, and learned and really just put in his repertoire. He's had an amazing career. We're going to talk a little bit about that just to inspire some people out there and also talk about, you know, when the going gets tough and some obstacles that you face when you are looking at a long-term career that changes, you know, its title or its uh, its area of responsibility over time. So welcome and thanks for being on the show, Jeremy. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, awesome. So I guess for the listeners, you know, every guest is a little bit different. Every path and journey is a little bit different. Tell me a little bit about Humble Beginnings, you know, where you started in this industry, and then we can kind of just uh, tiptoe through all the cool things that you've done through along the way. Sure, sure. So so my start in the restaurant industry is, is not uncommon to a, a lot of people I've talked to. I sort of fell into it kind of by accident. Like, the restaurant business kind of found me, you know, like I, I, I did not intend on being uh, in this business at all. Uh, you know, I, I did like food and I, I didn't really cook much growing up, but my grandmother was a really good cook. She had a little restaurant and um, she made this amazing food. She was Sicilian uh, and also a Southern woman. My, my family's from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, and so she cooked really good Italian food, but she also cooked really nice Southern food. So the, the food was great, very indulgent, um, very, very Southern, really flavorful. Um, and I always really loved her cooking and I have some of my fondest memories of just being in, with her in the kitchen. But, you know, it was more of just like, I like to eat, you know, it wasn't like I was, uh, you know, thought that I could cook really. You know, I could make, you know, a few things, but I really wasn't that good at it <clears throat> or even really ever tried to be. Um, I, I went to high school, went to college, graduated from the University of Florida. I was going to be a college teacher. Uh, I moved to Tampa to go to grad school at USF uh, to get my master's degree. And I was living with a friend of mine and her boyfriend was a, was a line cook at this restaurant. And he asked me, you know, do you need a job? I, I said, yes, man, I do. So he got me this job and I, I went in and I remember the interview was, <laughs> it was pretty funny. I had no, you know, no skills to really do this job. It was a it was a, you know, a, a casual restaurant chain, but it was, you know, it was real cooking. It was, um, you know, they were doing real prep and doing a lot of things from scratch and, you know, sauteing. And I didn't have any kind of that, any of that kind of experience. I had worked in uh, fast food and like pizza places and stuff in college, but I didn't really know anything about cooking in a, in a real kitchen, a real professional kitchen. And um, I remember the interview, the, the managing partner of that restaurant was just kind of looking at me and he was, he was like, so you're Steve's friend, huh? And I was like, yeah. And, uh, you know, he goes, uh, you know what I'm talking about too, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, um, you know, he's like, listen, if, you know, if I hire you and I spend all this money training you and then you quit, it's going to cost me a lot of money. You know, can you, can you promise me that if I invest the, the time in you and the money that you'll, you won't quit? And I was like, I promise you, I won't quit. I need a job. Um, so he's like, okay, no problem. And he goes, you're not going to, also, you got to promise me your uniform is not going to look as bad as Steve's does. It's like... <laughs> Okay, it won't. And, and it might have just barely been a little bit better than Steve's, but it probably wasn't much better than Steve's. Um, so I, I came in and, and I got the job and, and came in and started training and I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, my friend Steve was basically working the station next to me and my station. And at the same time, he was trying to teach me, but I, I had no clue what I was doing. Uh, I couldn't tell what ingredients were what. I, I just, you know, it was just really... Um, 
a shell shock for me. I had never worked in a kitchen. It was hot and it was loud and people were screaming and everybody was talking in different languages. And <laughs> they were using all this like restaurant slang and lingo and I didn't know what any of it meant. Uh, you know, like hand me a third pan. And I'm like, a what? That's a third pan. Like this? And like, that's a ninth pan, dumbass. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. That's a ninth pan. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, I, but I, I just fell in love with it, you know? And and I, I love the, the action of it. I love the fast pace. Um, environment and just the just the, the 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 rush you get on a busy night in a restaurant and like even when you're getting you know just completely beat down like and people are screaming at each other in the in the kitchen and, and you know maybe you want to punch the guy next to you for you know a couple hours but then at the end of the night everybody's all happy they all go out and have a beer and it's and it's great and so i just really fell in love with that you know kind of that 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 excitement of the business um and you know i i at the time i was it's funny i was studying uh, political science and i was gonna i wanted to be a political science teacher a college teacher and i was gonna do like study policy and write papers on politics and now in the year of 2022 i'm so happy that, <laughs> that you I, did not do that <laughs> yeah man I, you know i was kind of already at the point then i was like i don't know if i want to do politics for the rest of my life i don't know if i want to study this my whole life i'm not really sure if i like it and I'm really glad I made that choice because I don't like politics at all now. Um, so I just kind of was like, well, you know, maybe I won't go back to grad school yet. Maybe I'll, I'll take some time off and I'll figure out what I want to do. And then I'll go back to grad school and I'll go back for a different subject. Um, and, you know, that's that's the that was the end of my uh, the end of my college teaching uh, career. You know, that I basically just, never looked back. Huh? No, nah, I never I never did go back. You know, I, I stayed there thinking, you know, I'll, I'll take a year off. And, you know, here I am 22 years later. Yeah. <laughs> built a great career around it so that, that that worked out great that worked out great it did I was super fortunate I, I, I could not have known walking into that that building that day that I was going to find like my greatest passion in life mm -hmm. um, at that time so it was, it was very it was a very fortunate moment that's very cool it's funny you know along our path you know we worked with the same company for a while and you know our paths crossed based on just different things in your career, different things in my career. But it's funny that you describe your first moments like that because the moments that I remember being around you and watching you cook and watching you interact with people, you're probably one of the most calm people in the chaos that I've seen in kitchens. And it was something that I really, it resonated with me because I was like, that's not common right now at this point in restaurant career. You know, 15, 20 years ago, it was chaos. It was yelling. It was throwing things. It was very high energy. There were a lot of egos. And you, man, you just got back there and got the job done. And it, I think that kind of propelled you forward quicker than other people because it's a really rare commodity to have in terms of that characteristic. But also, the value of it in a kitchen is it's worth its weight in gold, in my opinion, because to have someone that's cool under pressure, easy to get along with, and actually gets the food out or gets the job done, whatever it is, is, is a really amazing thing. So how did you go from, I don't know what a third pan is, to this is no problem and I make it look this easy? How long did that take for you? It, so I'll say it, it, it didn't happen overnight, but, you know, early on I did kind of, I really, really loved it, you know? Uh, I remember like, you know, just coming home from work and talking about it, you know, and like to the point where like my roommate and, and even my roommate's uh, boyfriend that got me the job would be like, man, stop talking about work. We don't talk about work anymore. We're off right now. And I was just, I just enjoyed it so much um, that I, you know, I really, really wanted to be good. And, and, and I, I definitely wasn't. But as I started to learn it, I started to pick up on how to do things. And I remember early on, some people, like some of the cooks were like, hey, you're, you're getting pretty good. You know, you're pretty good at this. And, you know, I, I don't, I, I think it was just, you know, for me, it's really practice, you know, um, 
but I, but I enjoyed what I was doing. So, you know, for me, I would, I would come home and I would watch cooking shows and I would read cookbooks and I would study all the, uh, you know, like the training materials of the restaurant. So I'd memorize everything. And then I'd come in early to like learn other parts of the kitchen. You know, I wanted to learn to do prep. I wanted to do all these different things. So I would come in and just like, Hey, show me how to do this. Show me how to do that. And, uh, yeah, I was coming in off the clock. So I was free labor. Um, (laughs) it's probably not okay these days, but back then it was kind of a thing that happened. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess I just, I just got better, you know, I just practiced and eventually I, I, it started to kind of click and I started to get organized and I started to pick up on, you know, how to be able to execute at least, at least I should say on the line, mm-hmm. um, you know, that I got really good at and, and cooking on a line is a lot different than cooking in prep for sure. It's, you know, really, it's not, I, I hate to like, I don't want to discredit line cooks, but it's, it's really heating things and putting things together. You know, you have your mise en place, you know, right. a lot of things are already par cooked and prep. So I got really good at that. And then I thought, because I was the hotshot line cook, I was going to walk in and be able to do prep and I would be an ace. Uh-huh. And I was not, it was the same thing. I sucked, you know, right off the bat. Um, right. I remember the first day I was doing uh, prep, I was there for like 13 hours and the, the same managing partner pulled me to the side and said, listen, I want you to learn, but I can't afford to have you here for 13 hours every day. I was it's like, a long like, and expensive day for sure. Yeah, he's like, this is a seven hour prep list. So, like, all right. So, you know, so then I had to learn prep. It's a whole different, whole different ballgame. It, it really is. It's funny, you know, in, in the positions that I've held, you know, and where I started, I didn't have to do and learn and cut my teeth the way that people, you know, did that started in the back. But it was always very similar to you. It was always passion. I was always looking over there, going, "How is that guy so good at his job? Like, how, are you born that way? Do they just figure it out? You know, is there some course that I'm neglecting or un, unknown, un, unknowledgeable about?" And over the years, you have these people in each restaurant that you've worked with, or, or each you know timing of staff. They're like, God, they're just really good at that. You know, I had a girl at a restaurant I worked at who was a prepper, and it could be a 13-hour prep list and she would get it done in six and a half because she had to go pick up her kid. And and it didn't matter. The quality was always amazing. I mean, but she just worked harder and faster on those days and on the days that she didn't have to pick up her kid or it was a slower day, she cleaned and did other things. But it really is something I don't think that you're necessarily born with, but you really got to work it through in your head because it is different than line cook completely. Absolutely. There's a, there's a level of organization and task management in prep that's super, super important. Yeah. And, and if you let it go, it burns. In, in the line cook, it's in front of you. You see it and you can start over and in two minutes you have it back out. So for sure, for sure. So, you know, you go from, you know, never having worked in the restaurant business to now you're a line cook, you're learning prep. Um, you get into some management things. How did that happen? Yeah, um, you know, really, really early on, you know, one of the things I, I was very fortunate to have was I had some really good leaders around me that, they saw potential in me that I didn't see. I didn't know I had, you know, I was a punk kid at this time. I had some kind of, I don't know what color my hair was, but it probably wasn't normal. It was probably like blue or yellow or something. I could see that. Yeah, I had all these piercings. And I was, you know, I was, I was a kid, man. I was like going to bars and punk rock shows. And I, I didn't really, I didn't know what I was doing to be honest with you. Um, but they saw something in me that I didn't think was there. So they were always telling me like, hey, you should be an assistant kitchen manager. You should be a KM. And I remember thinking like, I would say at first, like, no, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go back to school. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to hang out for a little while and party and I'll go back to school in a couple of years. And um, 
you know, really they were just, they just were grooming me. It, whether I said I wanted to be in management or not, they saw something that I didn't see and they were just putting me in these positions regardless, you know, kind of like, hey, come over here, I'm gonna show you how to do prep lists or I'm gonna show you how to do inventory or whatever. Um, so that's really how it started. And, um, you know, eventually I did want to go into uh, management. I, I realized, you know, this is what I love and I want to do this. So I was in a much better position at that at that time. So then once I really started putting myself you know, towards that goal and focusing on that goal, then it was, it was much easier for me to get there. And, um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, when I, when I got the job as the kitchen manager, it was sort of like the kitchen manager before me had, I don't remember if they left or got transferred or something. And I, you know, I really wasn't ready. Um, we never are. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, they, they put me in the job and I, I learned it, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. It just, I think in a lot of phases of my career, I didn't know what I was doing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I started doing it. It was, it was good. I was really good with numbers and I'm pretty organized and things like that. I'm very meticulous and detail oriented. So, you know, I, I fit well in the uh, kitchen manager kind of role. And, uh, you know, as I, as I started, you know, I was able to master those pieces first. Those are kind of the easy pieces. But then for me, the uh, the leadership and people development, that was a part that was something I had to learn. It was, it was a little more challenging. Who was the person that helped you with that? Was it a trial and error thing? Was it a person that sticks out in your mind that, you know, kind of pulled you aside or would mentor you through those challenges? How did, how did it come about for you? It's different for everyone. I'm always so curious. Yeah, you know, it's funny. So I learned something the hard way. Uh, I guess I learned a lot of things the hard way. So the same mentor that I had that that, that brought me on, um, hired me originally, his name was Bobby, an, an awesome human being. And I, I loved this guy. I looked, I still love him to this day. I haven't seen him in a long time. He lives out west. But uh, I, I love the guy. And, you know, I, I would like... If he said, you know, go across the street and, and steal that car from me right now, I would go do it and he wouldn't even ask why. And I wasn't the only person, like everybody in the restaurant would do that. I mean, he just had this way with people where people really just love this guy. And it was because he was just such a genuine, caring individual. And he was, you know, he was funny and likable, and but he just cared. You know, he cared about the guests, he cared about his employees, and he, he was just a super compassionate person. So I loved that about him and I, I really wanted to be like him. But he also had a, a side of his personality that fit him very well. He's very fiery and, and, you know, he would like blow up and, you know, kind of like kind of like curse you out or whatever and like throw things. And then later on, you'd, you know, he'd like he'd like put his arm around you and buy you a beer or whatever. So like, you know, I started trying to emulate that. So I was trying to be like the fiery hot head guy, <laughs> which is not me at all. I am not that person. Right. You know? So I remember trying to be like Bobby and then just, you know, just wasn't genuine. Um, and I don't know that I, I learned that necessarily learned it from necessarily a, another person, but I think after just failing at that for a while, I realized, you know what, I need to find my own style. And uh, you know, there's another gentleman I worked with named Marty. You also know Marty. He's he's a he's a great uh, he's a great mentor. He was really big on always, you know, pushing me to learn more, read a lot of books about leadership. I'm kind of an academic person, so he was always giving me suggestions on things to read and management books, and I, I read a lot of that stuff. And I started to find my own my own style, which is a lot. A lot different than Bobby's, um, but it's still effective, I think. Yeah. I, you know, I think back to the early times of my career, and <clears throat> you're right, I think the natural thing is to emulate the person you're with because you like them or they're effective. Um, and then you realize that's not you. Sometimes it can be you in, in certain situations, 
But uh, yeah, the two people you mentioned are not only really amazing mentors, but they're just good life people to have on your side. They just teach you a lot. They were always on your side and they were always really, and this was the hardest one for me to kind of figure out, is they were always frank to the point that you were going to learn quicker than sugarcoating everything or not saying things in a way where you understood them clearly. And sometimes people pretty language up and both of these people were like, hey, this is how it is. You're going to get through it, but you got to do it and you got to sweat it out or whatever. Um, and yeah, it's funny that you mentioned both of them because they're both amazing, for sure. So, you know, you have this career and, and you're making these jumps and leaps and you're learning great things. So at what point do you come out of restaurants and kind of get an opportunity to work more on the like research and development or the corporate side? How did that all how come about? So that was, um, <clears throat> wow, thinking back on it, it was, it was uh, again, a pretty lucky break for me. So, you know, after I did... Uh, I was working in kitchens and I ended up um, opening another restaurant, a new restaurant um, as the opening kitchen manager. It's very, one of the most challenging things I ever did. Uh, and then I went into a, uh, a training position and, and I did like a lot of restaurant openings and I was, I was in, a, in a regional training uh, manager type position. I had, I think I had 21 restaurants um, on the west coast of Florida. And I, I loved that job, it was great. Um, I got to learn how to teach people, which was awesome. And that's something that I kind of enjoyed doing anyway. So it was, it was a natural thing for me. And I got, I got really, really good at cooking because I was spending all my, all my time teaching other people how to cook. Um, at least to cook the food that was for that specific restaurant company. Sure. Um, but then kind of when my, when my time came up, you know, I'd been doing that job for several years and it was time to do something else. And, and I remember, you know, everybody was telling me, be, go front of the house. We want to make you a, you know, a managing partner of a restaurant. And, you know, at, at the time, uh, that, that job was really a great job and it, it paid a lot and it paid a lot more than I was making. And it was, it was something I was really considering, but there was just something about the kitchen that I just didn't want to leave. I, I did not want to leave cooking the food. I, you know, I knew I would still be involved in the kitchen if I went to the front of the house, but it wouldn't be as much. And I just, I just remember thinking like, I, I don't, I want to stay with the food. So I didn't know what I was going to do. There really wasn't anything else for me to do. And in the company at that time, there really wasn't a lot of opportunity beyond where I was at. So I had considered a lot of things. I really very seriously considered opening a deli um, on my own, which I'm, I'm glad I didn't because looking back at it, it probably would have failed. I, don't, I wouldn't have been ready, I don't think. Um, but so I didn't know what I was going to do. And then one day, um, somebody came, uh, a friend of mine came over, knocked on my door in my house and was like, hey, how you doing? Um, I think she brought me a birthday card she, she was like hey, here's a birthday card happy birthday <laughs> and uh by the way there's a there's a job opening um at the home office and i'm like okay really what is it you know she kind of mentioned it and it was a, a a support role for supply chain and it was not a uh, it was you know it's kind of like an entry-level job right so mm -hmm. i yeah i went in and talked about it and had an interview and and you know it was a uh, it was a pay cut it was uh you know it was less hours, but it was a significant pay reduction because it was just an entry level thing. Right. Um, so I, you know, I kind of was like, man, I don't know if I can, I can, you know, afford a pay cut or whatever. But, but I ended up saying, well, you know what? I was going to quit and open a deli. So let's, let's try this. If it doesn't work, I can still open a deli. Uh, so I did that. I went into the supply chain role and, um, yeah, I still worked in the restaurants uh, as a line cook on weekends. So, you know, I'd, I'd work my Monday through Friday and everybody would go home. They'd go, oh, the weekend's here. And then I would leave and put on my chef coat and I'd drive, to, uh, drive over the bridge to Clearwater and go push tickets till 12 o'clock at night. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was miserable. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I did that because I wanted to get my foot in the door 
at the uh, the home office at, at the time. You know, the company I work for is a, it's a multi-brand company, and uh, you know, we were one of the smaller brands. Um, so there was a, a little tiny office, um, and they had an R&D uh, kitchen in it. And it was I remember going there to visit um, to visit my boss at the time. He had an office in there, and. Uh, I just remember thinking like, oh, wow, how cool. And, and I think, you know, the, the main brand had like two or three guys working in the, and they were the R&D chefs. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, that is so cool. And I just thought it was the most amazing thing. And the concept that I worked for didn't really have much of an R&D team at that time. There, I think there was like one person. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there was two. Actually, there was two. I'm sorry. Um, but it wasn't like there was like a bunch of openings there or any kind of, I certainly wasn't the next one in line to, to you know, be able to get that job. But I was like, Hey, if I can get in and do, you know, get into the building, maybe I can work my way into some kind of role somehow. So it was a huge roll of dice. Um, but I did. I came in and I, I was doing supply chain support, but I was also supporting the the R and D team for my for my specific concept. And I was just doing basic stuff, like I was recipe coordinator. Basically, I was just typing the recipes that that the chef would write, and he would give them to me, and I would just put them in a, you know, he would give them to me on a piece of paper, and I would, you know, type them in a Word document. <laughs> that was a recipe at the time. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, you know, you look at different parts of your career and if you were going to tell someone that was 18 years old, hey, by the time you're 40, you can achieve this, but you're going to have to do this over and over again. You're going to have to master something and then become a student again. You're going to have to master it and become a student again. And you're going to have to do it probably five or six times. Are you cool with that? And a lot of people aren't. A lot of people want to become a master and stay right there. And it makes them feel good and it's predictable and they like that. And, you know, I've had cooks and I've had servers and bartenders that were amazing and very much like, you know, Bobby looked at you, hey, do you want to do something more? And they're like, no, I'm good. And you're like, are you sure? You're pretty amazing. They're like, no, I'm really cool where I'm at. Thanks for the opportunity. Your job looks really stressful. I don't want to do that, you know? And it's funny because as I've gotten older and spent a lot of time in this industry, I look back at a lot of those people and some of them are still right there because they want to be, not because they're incapable. And some of them, it was just the wrong time. They just hadn't clicked yet. They hadn't gone, hmm, I really want to spend the rest of my life doing this very much like you have done and I've done. So when you get this opportunity, you know, you're exposed to so much at a corporate level, the supply chain, the creation process, the R&D, all that stuff. What really stood out as something that you latched onto that you became really passionate about now that you're no longer in the chaos of the energy, you know, hot cooker in the restaurants, you're in a different atmosphere. What were you passionate and driven by? So that's a good question. So for me, it was, it was what I am, what I'm really passionate about is understanding why. I want to know why and how things work to like, I want to know how things work down to the, to the atoms. Like (laughs) I'm very, very interested in how things work. So, you know, as I was doing this kind of support recipe coordinator gig, I was always asking questions like, okay, how, you know, as I write the, write the recipe, okay, so we do this, and then, you know, how does this work, and why do we do this, and, you know, I was always, you know, really, really uh, interested in the whys, and, um, you know, that helped me get get better at, at what I do, um, and, you know, another thing I, I think is, uh, you know, a thing that is, is something for me that I believe very, very firmly in is, is the concept of, of a growth mindset, as opposed to, like, a fixed mindset. Um, I, I really believe that if you there are certainly certain people who are born with certain talents. You know, for me, a good example would be like, I always want to learn how to play the guitar and be awesome at the guitar. And I have lots of guitars and I played the guitar for many years and I'm not very good at it. 
<laughs> and I just don't really, it's not something that really comes to me naturally, but I feel like if I spent as much time playing the guitar as I've spent cooking or learning about cooking, I'd be, pretty, be, amazing. I'd be pretty great at it, yeah. right? But I just, I just wasn't as, I don't know, as, as much as I love the idea of being good at the guitar, I didn't want to put in the work. Right. Um, but with food, it was just different. I, I wanted to consume that knowledge constantly. You know, I, I read cookbooks, I watch documentaries about food, I, I try different recipes at home, I, I read food science books, I, I'm very into food science. I like understanding like, this cooks a certain way because of how treat, heat transfer works. You know, I, I can get very, very, very granular, very specific into how food operates and how it works in a scientific level, in a culinary level, in food history. Like, I'm just passionate about that subject for some reason, I don't really know why. Um, but it's just something that, uh, for me, was just really valuable. Was just just really finding my passion of understanding, you know, how and why. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if your path originally before restaurants was teaching, then yeah, you want to know the insides and outs of everything because you're gonna have to regurgitate that to someone, whether they're learning in a political science capacity or they're in the restaurant. So that's really cool. It's it's interesting because everyone is driven by different things and when passion is the driver, it doesn't really matter what the path is, right? I mean, you're going to learn, you're going to be exposed to new things. Okay, you know, you're a corporate executive chef in charge of X and tomorrow they're going to come to you and go, okay, X is cool right now. We're going to pull you over to Y and now you're going to do that. And your mindset, I can tell by this conversation is, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to learn a ton. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I'm going to develop myself. And I think everyone at this point who knows you probably understands that they, they have the right person and they're going to put it in your hands and they're going to trust you and you're going to do amazing things with it. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's difficult. I think, you know, the guitar thing is a really good example for a lot of people because just because you like something doesn't mean you'll be great at it. But if you're passionate, um, and, and that's where this business is really cool because I've met pe people passionate about making cocktails and it's weird and nerdy and varied to much what you're saying, you know. I worked with a few bartenders at another restaurant that I worked with and they would come to me with these weird things like, hey, we want to do a lavender infusion for tea for this cocktail. And in the beginning, I'm like shaking my head like, why are we talking about lavender infusions? And over time, I realized that this was their passion. I was either going to stand in their way and they were going to work somewhere else, or they were going to stay there. I was going to help them become, you know, passionate, fulfill their need. And these were amazing bartenders. And I would walk by the bar and the guests were just like, hey, can we talk to you about him? Because he knows everything we've asked him so far and it's weird. And I'm like, yeah, he does that. He just really, really into this particular craft and you know yours is food theirs is bartending so that's very cool so in the environment that you're in you know you're exposed to a lot of neat things what do you see on the horizon for the restaurants I mean take COVID out of the way because COVID you know obviously threw our entire industry a curveball and operations and priorities but where do you see restaurants going based on what you have heard or what you're exposed to because a lot of people are shifting gears and deciding they want to do different things but still continue to provide food for people and atmosphere so what do you see on the horizon just for the industry that's a great question um, <clears throat> I say we certainly were thrown a curveball uh, you know it's 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 really interesting it, it's gonna be really cool to see what what the industry looks like you know six months 12 months from now I, I think I think for sure off-premise is here to stay um, you know there are people that didn't want to do the off-premise that was that didn't appeal to them in the past like for me I love off-premise I like delivery I love Uber Eats it's great thing about Uber Eats before COVID 
and maybe even some during COVID, the food was always cold. Right. You know, um, but I think a lot of places have either either figured out how to make the food travel better through packaging or different recipe work, or they've taken delivery in their own hands and, and created ways to get the food hot. Okay. Um, so I think the people that are, the businesses that are doing delivery well are, are probably going to continue to do well post-COVID. Um, but really it's just, uh, you know, uh, so the concept I work for now is a fine dining restaurant and they're doing a, a pretty good, healthy off-premise business where... You know, I wouldn't have thought that would have been the case. I would have thought in order for fine dining to work, you need the you need that atmosphere. Right. Um, you know, you need that level of service and that atmosphere to, to it's part of the, the experience. Right. Um, but what they've done, they've been really, really innovative in different ways of how to how to give that experience to the guest at their home. And they've done all kinds of things between like, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, personalized notes, you know, little gift boxes, uh, you know, cards that come with the food that explain like they'll send wine home with the food and you know, you buy like the wine and the food and it explains like this is why the wine pairs with this food and right. here's how to reheat it, here's how to plate it, you know, like if you to plate it like you do in the restaurants right. and things like that. And so, you know, I'll, I'll, the restaurant's been able to recreate that restaurant experience um, in, in the customer's home, which I think is really awesome. Um, but, you know, I do also think you know, people are going to be dying to go back in, you know, but it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, for sure, I think off-premise stays, but, um, you know, how how does COVID impact the in-dine experience? You know, I, I don't know that the, the tables are going to be as close as they used to be. Right. And, a lot uh, of partitions. Yeah, probably A lot of distancing for, for different, you know, uh, interaction points, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting, you know, I, I obviously, you know, am very passionate about the industry, so I read a lot, and the the changes that are being made are strange for me to watch unfold because for example the social distancing thing is super vital right now for restaurants to open and to stay open but in a year from now if we've vaccinated 80 percent of the population i think a lot of mindsets might shift back to well we're good now let's go back to what we were doing and I think the industry as a whole, if they're going to be protective and really make sure that they can endure no matter what happens, they're going to have to figure out, hey, if COVID-22 comes around, God forbid, how will we not have to be resilient? How will we not even miss a beat and we'll just keep going because we have iPads at tables or we're doing virtual kitchens or you know all those different things. I think it's interesting and there's probably no right answer, but uh, so many people are doing different things and you know, to your point, you know, an upscale restaurant, how do you provide that ambiance? It sounds like you guys are doing really great things to provide that for the guest. And those guests want that food. I mean, they do want to go out and have a nice dinner, an upscale or an anniversary or business dinner, but they also just really are passionate about the product that you provide. So if you can do it in a cool way with a neat bottle and go, hey, this is why this Bordeaux, you know, pairs with this ribeye or whatever, um, that makes it more exciting. And that's kind of the joy I think that people really like about restaurants is those are the weird little things that make eating out interesting, whether it's Kansas City versus Texas barbecue or whatever. Those are the weird nuances where me as a guest, I love hearing about them. You know, I'll, I'll ask the weird questions at the table and I usually get a nudge from my wife, but I'm like, well, what is the difference? And she's like, you've been eating out for 28 years. You don't know. And I'm like, well, maybe I forgot, but this person's really smart. Um, you know, I think back and this is, I don't know how many people even know this person. I believe his name was Aaron, but 
There was a restaurant in Tampa called Roy's uh, that was a really amazing place, and it was one of my favorite, but they had a server name, I think his name was Aaron. But if you ever got Aaron, Aaron was a guy that told you the name of the dude that picked the herb in Hawaii. They flew it in that day, like his speech and his spiel at the table made everything just taste awesome. And, and those are the things that when we go out to eat, hopefully we find that person. And we find that person with a real clicky you know, uh, personality or they're real snappy about their drinks or you sit in front of an open kitchen and you've got a guy chatting back and forth or a girl. And those are the things I think that ultimately people are really going to miss and we've got to figure out as an industry how to provide them. And how we do that, who knows? It's probably different for everyone. But um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's going to be interesting how it plays out for sure. You probably have a better eye on it just because of where you sit in, in terms of the exposure and everything. But me as a guest and me as a restaurateur, I mean, it can go any direction. I see the whole world doing drive-throughs. Um, I see you know these ghost kitchens providing amazing food. They just got to figure out how to promote themselves, you know, and get the food out. A guy I talked to a couple weeks ago has a food truck, and he's like. I think this might be the future of really good environment. You know, Florida is lucky with weather for most of the year, so a food truck's cool. Up north, I don't know if a food truck is the answer all the time. It may be for a part of the year, but not all of it. So, um, neat things that are going to happen on the horizon for sure. Yeah, ghost kitchens to me, virtual kitchens, ghost kitchens to me are, are a huge opportunity. Um, our company had, had huge success with the, with the ghost kitchen concept, or virtual concept. We had two of them. Um, I think there's definitely something there that's probably going to continue. I think it's, um, and that just goes goes in line with the with the heavy off premise. Yeah, I just think so many people have used off premise and now they're used to it. I don't see that going away. But you know, I'd say for me personally, I can't wait to get back in restaurants. I want to. I'm like you. I want to sit down. I want to have a server. I love getting a server. To, when the server's telling you those great stories, that's the best. You know, and like yeah. when they know it and they, you know, even like, yeah, I know a lot about food, but I love when somebody else is telling you about food. It just just makes the experience so much better. So I'm, I'm super excited for for the post-COVID world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think we all are. Yeah. So, you know, you've had this amazing journey. You've done really outstanding things. You know, if you were to look back on your career and, and, and go talk to yourself at some point and instead of, you know, uh, the mentors that you had, give yourself some advice to either stay the path um, or get to it quicker. You know, what would you have said to yourself at a young age to, hey, dude, it's going to be all right, but you've got to figure these couple things out. What would you say? I would have told myself to to learn learn who I am, learn myself. You know, that that is something that took me a very long time. Uh, you know, call it self-awareness, emotional intelligence, emotional IQ, whatever you want to call it. But just understand who you are and, and really have a, a realistic picture of yourself you know as others see you and 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 none of us including me do an excellent job of that some people most a lot of people do it most people do it better than I do um and my wife has helped me a lot (laughs) Um, that's what they do they do they they really do (laughs) but you know really just understanding who I am and and not not necessarily just thinking because well because I feel this way inside that's what everybody else knows you know what I mean like People, I have been told so many times that I come off as aloof or, or distant or angry or mean or whatever. And I'm like, that's not who I am, you know, but like, it's, I'm just quiet. I'm introverted and I, I'm usually thinking a lot about something or whatever. So I can be very short um, or I can like maybe not make eye contact or pay attention. And that comes across to some people as, as me being rude or mean or whatever. And that's, you know, I learned a lot of that when I got into the corporate world. It was like. You know, coming to meetings and the way that you present yourself, the way you're sitting, body language, all those right. things. I never thought about any of that in the restaurant because it didn't matter. All I had to do was get the food out. Right. And you're a hero and a rock star, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
Um, but, you know, when I came in the office, it was, you know, a, a whole different thing. And, uh, you know, I really had to learn about how to interact in a corporate world, how to slow down, how to listen to people, how to, you know, how to not always just try to solve the problem as opposed to maybe listen to the concern. You know, like I'm like, a, here's a solution. And I really, I learned this from my wife because she'd tell me about something she was upset about. I'd try to fix it. Right. She's like, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen to me right. and have some empathy. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. I'm not good at that. They should go over that getting married because none of us, I think, have ever been good at it naturally. No, yeah. thank, thank God. I mean, yeah, thank God. We, they do teach us very well, right? Um, so I'd say, you know, you know, really just kind of, kind of learning who I am and really learning like what I'm good at, what I'm not good at and accepting those things and, you know, championing my strengths and, you know, working on my weaknesses and, you know, just trying to get a little better every day. Uh, you know, that that's something that I wish I'd learned that earlier on in my career. Gotcha. Yeah, those are those are things that uh, I think that's just life. And I yeah. think I think it's typical of people that have had, I wouldn't say you've struggled, you know, I don't know per se if that's true or not, but I can look at your career and say, you've reinvented yourself and allowed yourself to grow and move and really do some great things. And you can't do that without a certain skill set. And you have a lot of those great things that are required for that kind of movement. Some people aren't capable of it, you know, and, and I've had conversations as a general manager or as a partner with employees that, hey, you've got 70% of this, which is great, but 30 is really in your way. Um, and sometimes that's what life is, is coaching people and, and helping them and allowing them to grow or, or just pulling them aside and going, hey, I don't know if you meant it that way, but this is how it came across. Here's another way you can approach that. So, yeah, I think we could all take a good lesson from that. Um, well, wonderful. Well, thank you for spending some time with me and, and sharing your story. It's always good to see you. You know, I'm glad that you've done so well for yourself. And obviously, you have found the passion point for your life, which is really awesome to hear. It really is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. This, again, is uh, From the Frying Pan. My name is Vince Casse, your host. Uh, thank you for dialing in and listening. We'll have more interviews to come and, of course, some dynamic people just learning about the restaurant industry, uh, passive success, and also obstacles that we had to overcome uh, to achieve great things. So thank you for joining us. Have a great shift.